Hello, 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 and welcome back to Black Oak Couch Reviews. I'm your host, Christina. We are back for another episode of Wheel of Time. This is season one, episode five, Blood Calls Blood, written by Celine Song, directed by Sally Richardson. I thought she had another last name. I think it was Litchfield. Uh, not sure. Stop popping up for me. <laughs> but I know it was a different name to what was on uh, Wikipedia. So it was in the notes. But this is a pretty somber episode. I gave it a 8 out of 10. Mainly because I was like, I don't like any of this. My emotions are all over the place. Whitfield, that's her last name. I knew I was going to find it. But yeah, I really love that they're giving each director two episodes to shine. All the season, it's consistently to a piece. While this was beautifully directed and well written, it was just a heart bummer. And <laughs> just didn't leave you in the best of places. Hey, you have episodes like that. I do like some of the world building. I like that some of our characters are, you know, moving further along. We're going to start to be in the same spot very soon. It is just that um, <laughs> my emotions. So it's a somber return. Jumping into the recap as the Aes Sedai bury the dead of the army, as well as ceremoniously bury Karine. With Stefan carrying her body and laying it to rest. Lon is very much supporting his fellow warder and friend. As he prepares to cover up Karine's face for the last time. He places her ring around his neck. I will remember you. Y'all was putting my mans through it through this episode. You know. <laughs> For putting me through it because of it. Moraine and Lon share a morose moment before the gravesite aerial shot, which was beautiful. One month later, I'm glad that we did have a jump in time from that event to where we need to be in the story. I like when stories do that instead of trying to put filler in. Let's just do a time jump. It's all right. Ain't nobody gonna mind. <laughs> All the stuff in between traveling from point A to point B can just be boring shit. They have reached the White Tower. Lon happy to be home. While Moraine thinks home is where she spent the longest. And that's with his company and in that saddle. She's been gone two years, both of them. She wonders if Nynaeve knows what awaits her. But Lon remarks she doesn't confide in me. Despite sitting at the warder's fire each night. Her concern is for Stepan, who looks lost with Karine's horse and boots and ring that is tradition to return to the tower. However, Lon knows warders aren't supposed to outlive their Aes Sedai with Moraine concerned or thinking that he eventually will move on. Moraine knows whether the other four are there or not, it doesn't matter. She intends to find them. Rand and Matt are indeed going to be found in the city as they come upon amid many other travelers. 
what do they call it? Tor... I wrote it down somewhere. <laughs> Tarvalon. There we go. Rand also has seen the mountain in his dreams. Matt is still acting like he has Tourette's with Rand increasingly not with the shits. So it's a good thing he'll get a warm bed soon and not be so crappy because that's his excuse. Mate, if you grow up poor, wouldn't you not be used to such a luxury as a warm bed anyway? Like they both know what's going on. But Matt kind of is trying to avoid it. Stunning shot of the tower itself and the city that surrounds it. This city looks and feels like a Roman city with animals and merchants alike amid colorful displays. Luckily, Tom told Rand about a hookup so they can rest and clean up before heading to the White Tower. Matt is feeling guilty, we find out, after all this time because he doesn't think that he possibly didn't kill that family. Tom is not there to back up. Uh, his friends were that would just want to make him feel better he also thinks that he got tom killed someone he connected with and uh they clearly at least think that the fate chasing them is responsible for the death that they leave in their way and he kind of doesn't believe ran when he says you didn't kill that little girl and while you don't have to take his word for it try forensics it is in your favor bruh as there was no blood on that knife at the White Tower, Moraine and Lon show Nynaeve to the water side of things where she will be safest from the vicious animal or political machine, which is the White Tower and the women who live there, who all have honed their politics for decades, have hidden their flaws and weaknesses, and you are basically a lamb <laughs> in a shark tank. And they will not hesitate to manipulate you manipulate you into their games for word of her power will spread and spread quickly i think it already has and she will expect to become a novice asap she tries to put on a front like you know if i'm so powerful then maybe y'all should be afraid of me moraine gives lana look because clearly she doesn't want to feel vulnerable in front of him and that's when moraine says look it's okay to be scared I know you don't want to show your trepidation, but I get it. I've been here. And I'm going to tell you this. You are a part of something greater. You've reached out and touched that power. You know how significant it is and how insignificant you are and your desires in comparison. So you need to keep your mouth shut. Lay low. Don't go to exploring. Because there are vultures around every corner and they got, they, they, you, they got your scent girl they got your scent moraine offers to protect her as much as she can and if she finds her friends don't worry i will bring them to you the tinkers have made it close to the city as well Perrin has blended in <laughs> uh, with his hair all braided wondering if letting the dogs kill what they come across is hypocritical when speaking with aram or aram one of these days i'll get it right he tells him the way of the leaf does not not acknowledge the violence and capability within all of us it's about accepting it white cloaks then stop them demanding parent and Egwene, but aram guides them away as the leaf holds the line against using violence 
and they uh, take some violence to their ranks with Egwene worried about that but Aram knows that they won't actually kill them despite how far they may go to, to intimidate them unfortunately they hit Aram with their horse and capture Egwene and Perrin anyway Rand meets an ogier named Lul while rummaging through a library he saw something in the book about a Corinthian cycle. I felt like that's somehow important. Just as, uh, lol. <laughs> oh, these names. Uh, insists that he's something called an ailment. Okay, 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 okay. Okay, can you close the door so I can finish recording? Thank you. <laughs> He says humans are frivolous and never preparing themselves for what they are walking into. Being in such a rush as Rand runs after Matt, not waiting for him to join the parade going through the town. As the remaining Ace to die return with the perpetrator, Loghain. They give him the, the shameful parade. He also saw a book that reminded him of Egwene. There's still going to be a romance going hard i see for a very long time <laughs> don't have a problem with it don't get me wrong but they do only talk about each other and i guess what else are you gonna i mean you can talk about his daddy <laughs> some other friends he might have uh so the ace and i are parading Logan as a cautionary tale of what happens when men take magic that they basically go insane. Matt has spotted that swindler dude that may also be a fade spy while watching the procession, which many shocked at the loss of an ace to die as Steppen rides by, which explains the anger when they start throwing fruit at him. There was a little bit of joy to be had since apparently Leandrin got hit with a beat to the face. Logan ashamed with things and Matt freaks out at what could possibly be a peak and his fate thinking if it's one of them that is the dragon as they're parading the false dragon that they will quote unquote take care of the other Rand promises and vice versa I didn't think Rand seemed as if he would take that particular step like I feel like he was doing it just to say we're still friends I'm not gonna abandon you and he really is doing that but at the same time, Matt is just going to a deep, deep, dark place. And I don't know how they didn't put the dagger together that he took from the, the, the city. I'm not sure why that hasn't correlated yet. Lon joins the other warders dressing Stepan in white. Uh, Maxim and Yvonne, I believe. The last time he wore the color was his father's funeral. And he hated that man at first. After he died, he became a bully, picking on people younger than him, then suicidal, wanting people that could beat him up to take him out of this world until one day he met Karine, who whooped his ass, then bought him a drink, giving him the honor of becoming her friend. And when she needed a warder, she chose him. He thought he was unworthy, but after they bonded, wanted to become worthy of her. I can't, I can't 
after he finished this, Maxim's like, my father tried to kill me when I was 12, so stop your whining. <laughs> like, this is our family. We're happy to have each other as a family. Stepan agrees that the warders do have each other. Lon reminds him he's one of the one of them as well. Saying that he can bond with another ace to die, but Stefan says, Look, until your loss is as great as mine, don't talk to me about replacing that person. He goes to melt Karina's ring into the flame. It seems at the top of the tower. His warders are supporting him in the the guard room. Lon goes to see Moraine after this, and they definitely have a bond that is strong and she gets emotional as he gets emotional and this bond thing seems to be a type of ritual and i think that we're going to see what that is just as much as we wanted to see what the uh what was the last episode <laughs> the gentling was Egwene suffers humiliation as she is stripped washed and placed in a white gown by three men tied to a chair before child valdez motherfucker you ain't no kid with that gray ass patch in your hair ah i hate the fact that this is so many men in history up to a relatively recent <laughs> part of our history there were witch finders just like this that, that took great joy in torturing women and it was the majority women it's not to say men did not also be accused of witchcraft but the amount of women that were subject to this and some of them were by just men who hated women <laughs> and the fact that in this world women can touch the one true power and men can never possess this thing that is above humanity then they themselves, the witches, are inhumane. And he intends to have his pound in flesh uh, one way or another as he takes a knife to Perrin, who he brings in to have tied up, tortures him because he wants to know if Egwene can channel. And if she can't, then Perrin dies and she goes free. And if she can, then she dies and he goes free. Either way, the bitch suffers. This guy is the worst. And he's not dead at the end of this episode. And I'm really wondering why. Because they must really want to give us a, a, a true... Because I feel like Moraine already called his death out two episodes ago. And she did take all of the, the rings of the sisters that he killed. So this is intriguing. Because they're probably going to give him a worse death. But... Quite frankly, I would have slit his throat. I would have made sure he was dead if that was the last thing I was going to do in leaving this escape. <laughs> there would be no dispute over whether this motherfucker is dead. You might have to actually pull me off of mutilating his corpse. We can cross Egwene off from the list of the, the fire, the dragon reborn though. She came out with a little fizz. <laughs> I'm not disrespecting her whatsoever because she did her damn thing. Like, I love Egwene. I loved her portrayal in this episode. I loved her strength. I love her 
grace in the face of adversity and disgustingness of this man and the way in which Perrin was able to divulge his deepest darkest secret to her and the way she took that in and really gave him something to move on from like that bond between them these last this last month was strong and i think it definitely healed him in a way and it is because of the person that she is even before she could channel she was trying to channel just so that she could spare his life nah that's my girl i'm just laughing at her little fireball it was just cute parents eyes glowed though when valdez intended to kill one of them to prove any point that inflicts suffering on women in general as i kind of stated earlier stepping goes to see nynaeve for uh running a uh sleeping drought he has a bottle in hand he's obviously drunk he says he doesn't want to forget the pain as it is all he has left of her we've heard this very often in some fiction at least i have but it's still a profound statement to say she assures him the pain will never go away as soon as Nynaeve steps outside her room Leandrin is right there whispering in her ear evil get the hell out I love that this actress dyed her hair blonde because she is the epitome of white feminists I'm so here for it she is a snake in the fucking grass <laughs> I'm just thoroughly enjoying her performance I really am. She remarks that the hall is that of the warders from past standing guard. Reds don't have warders. She surmises naive because of their men hating. She doesn't deny said charge and her face when she talks of how despite women holding the one true power, men still control the world and are not nice little girls with a spark of greatness superior to their own. I told you that bitch crazy. What I love is that despite me being on the side of like Moraine and Naive, not hating men, after the previous scene with Valdez right before this moment, it's like, ooh, the enemy of an enemy is my friend. <laughs> Something like that. Cause I want her to unleash all that man hating on every single white cloak in the vicinity <laughs> and i will enjoy it and i and you feel like you you understand immediately where she's coming from because you just felt that way watching people you care about uh, suffer at the hands of these men that they hate and you, you immediately correlate why they feel that way and you're like oh wait i'm not on your side i don't want to kill all men <laughs> but if you catch me on the right day Sybil might be like, yeah, go get them. Like, I'm not going to be mad if you do some things to these white clothes is what I'm getting at. It's true, especially now, also, because it, it kind of talks about a little bit. Well, it is a little reference in, in now times. If you've been following the news in the United States, you know, Roe versus Wade is really trying to be heavily contested by some states. And they, they, they really... Like the birth control uh, abortion issue has been an issue for a very long time. It has not died down. It is trying. We're trying to reverse time. We are literally trying to devolve <laughs> a part of 
our society is so terrified of the future they are trying to devolve back into the past and this is just crazy to me that they think that this is like why would we make this much progress just to slide back into and i'm like oh man try try that you're gonna radical radicalize <laughs> i mean you have all these young people out active you know being activism activists that's the right word i was looking for uh yeah start start fucking with this <laughs> white favorites uh shit um but it's also just a disparity naturally happening in society women are getting more educated degrees in higher numbers than men um meaning women who are already smarter than men are now starting <laughs> to socially economically drive that gap um in that part of particularly around the middle class as less women want to pop out them babies and instead are more financially stable when they have children but more importantly over this idea that happiness comes from being with a man <laughs> because it really uh, like oh i can go into this whole thing about matrimony but we we don't have time to be talking about that that's all sidebar let's get back into this episode <laughs> she tells her to check out the library in the gardens the persimmons are in season hello yes it's meant to be weird and uncomfortable your feelings are correct don't worry you just know somewhere you know while while Nani's face was contorting a little bit on how fucking batshit crazy this woman comes off she feels like she's barely concealed somewhere somewhere moraine is definitely mentally chastising her what i'm curious about though is was this a setup play because you had lyle reunite naive with the boys at this point was she herself like did did i miss that supposed to be a connective thread or not or just a coincidence right after the scene and she directs her on where to go lila will be like oh yeah i have access to the grounds and yeah she gets immediately uh reunited with them something moraine didn't come through on I'm not sure if I was making that connection or I was supposed to. She immediately sees that Matt got issues, despite being very happy to see her, and encourages him to sleep. Rand is worried that it is the channeling, even though he hasn't seen him do it, and we all know it's the dagger. She praises him on his care of Matt and his right decision to come to the tower. He knows that the other two are going to be there soon. She assures, yes, they are going to be here. Well, at least Egwene. <laughs> she also says, we don't have to trust the Ace to die. We five will figure it out. We're from two rivers. And despite what people say and do and think, we have our way of life. We have our virtues. We have our values. And that's what we're going to follow. I love that because it sets up a tone between all five characters. She says we will heal him or she will heal him as best as she can and then we'll figure out what to do as a group. He worries then about Egwene. 
she tells the story of how she had breakbone where apparently this is a disease in which the body snaps itself in half doesn't sound great no one knew what to do about this the old wisdom had already given up and prepared some gentle passing tea but Egwene had held on to Nynaeve who also couldn't give up on her and through the night the fever eventually broke but not her so she knows that Egwene is unbreakable and if Perrin's with her then they're good to go we don't have to worry about them Perrin admits the events of Layla's death back in the White Cloaks camp to Egwene and he believes he deserves to die because of what he did to his wife with his own hands with his own axe Valdez comes in to skin more off of Perrin but she assures him it is not his fault and hopefully one day he will realize this she channels to Valdez's delight and disappointment because he thought he was going to get more than a fireball I don't know why he said that you're impervious to me what what is it about your what is your white cloak got a, a anti-magic protective spell on it what, what the fuck do you mean you have a knife she can literally do whatever the, if you really wanted a bigger performance wouldn't you be more terrified like what what is what, what do you got sir what do you got are they going to be able to do some channeling too and they, that's why they truly hate them but he just said he's human hmm but she ends up unleashing Perrin who unleashes something Egwene stabbed Valdez (laughs) but as I stated earlier he was still breathing as the wolves attack they get away Egwene how you not doing the math sis how do you know this wolf would not hurt us oh I don't know you happen to just hop up and the dude looks scared talking about this wolf a lie what are you (laughs) your worst nightmare motherfucker (laughs) like you didn't see all that happen girl stop asking questions you know the answer to he clearly is one with the wolves the wolves led you to the tinkers and you you was on that the city at night orgasmic moraine already getting stares from people around uh, other sisters in the castle leandra catches up to her because she can't help her ways why she feel i think i mentioned this earlier she feels one screw loose from seriously mass murdering everyone in some type of queue the way in which she touched moraine after inquiring after Nynaeve like why did you feel the need to put your hands on me like you don't look so well either like what are you what are you doing behind my ear she knows despite her distrust and refusal Nynaeve will become a novice and since moraine comes and goes it won't be her moraine's like girl she healed people clearly she's not coming to the red side of things but leandrin senses that she does have have a fierce need to control and have the world obey her rules and moraine's like yeah well too bad she doesn't hate men 
Line catches Stepin warding off Ishmael in an offering. He mentioned it was the last thing from his mother. All episode, I was pretty much, it was foreshadowing of what was going to happen to Stepin. I felt bad for Lon even before I felt bad for Lon. I was like, this is not going to, not going to end well for you, bro. Father of lies. He needs to see the truth, which is basically, am I going to be able to move past this? And the answer was no. The Forsaken, we find a little bit more mythos, uh, sold their souls to the Dark One for eternal life and the last dragon sealed them away for eternity and he's like eternity is a long ass time i'm guessing this bond is for eternity the hollowness of that is pretty much haunting step in lon agrees to stay with him until morning because he knows his friend is in a bad spot moraine wonders if the bond can be released when she is talking to alana who tells her not to worry about Lon, that she will be around a very long time. And the pain that she would cause if something were to happen to her as both wonder at Stepin accepting Alana's offer as uh, another one of her warders. Alana wants to know what Maureen's been up to, but Maureen peeps she has tea to drop and asks her to drop it. Sion is coming back to this is the Amarin seat and she is going to be out for blood. Moraine is one of the few that can challenge her but she doesn't want the the seat. Despite Alana's warning the woman isn't as uh, on the up and up as you once knew her because things have changed in the years you have not been here. No one understands Maureen's designs, and she has two very powerful enemies in the tower with Leandrin growing. Her white feminism movement is growing ever more, not even, even, or even further than the Reds. She also warns she is going to need to fortify or gain some allies to trust your secrets with, or she will find herself open barren friendless when it comes down to it is that like what is she open there a woman looking out of a window in the tower Lon drinks with Stepin, who knows he would be an asset to alana and the boys in a joking manner he asks about nynaeve knowing there's something happening between Lon and her and if it's love or falling in love Despite it being a bad idea for her, he tells Lon without love, life is intolerable. Lon says, I can tolerate a lot. And he says, I know. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. Because a vision softly creeping. The moment I saw the church bells and the sun rising, it was filmed so very well, but I knew what was happening. I knew the minute he looked at his cup, he'd been drugged by the sleep, same sleeping powder he got from Nynaeve, and he finds his friend having killed himself in the hall. Living your life after death.
So we begin and end this episode with a very raw, painful funeral. Lon looking at Moraine and then beating his chest. That was too much for me to take. And that is how the episode ended. And I was like, oh. <laughs> I need to watch something that's funny because that was fucking depressing as shit. Um... Still, really good episode. Just, just I, I, I need us to have a win now. <laughs> I need a win. I needed at least that one dude's neck to be slit, and it was not. So, I find myself very blue balled. I don't have any predictions, but I do know that I am excited to meet who this uh, Amberlin seat is. Because I know she's being played by Sophie Okonedo. And that is my boo. That wraps up my thoughts on this episode. Let's hop on into the mailbag. What up, Stina? It's Mimi. Um, this is my feedback for The Wheel of Time, uh, Season 1, Episode 5. Um, this episode was so good from the beginning to the end. I enjoyed every last one of the storylines. Um, I really, really love this show. I've been, I look forward to it weekly, and I'm so glad to know that there is a Season two already in the works and that 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 makes me so happy because after why the last man like I can't take another heartbreak like it just I, I couldn't and this show is so awesome um first thing I don't think I keep I don't think I brought this up but the beginning uh opening credits I don't know the theme song I guess if you will I really really like it like not only is it like gorgeous to look at but like every time I watch it, I see something else. Like I'm curious to know about these women that we see. And I guess I'm also very curious to see, you know, what the will of time actually is. I didn't read the books. So I have no idea, but I'm very curious. Um, I just usually like I skip through <laughs> that part, but I watch it every time because it, it's so pretty to look at. Um, and the... I don't know it just gorgeous brown women and as you can see there's women of color I I just really enjoy it um so first I guess we can talk about I'll just go group by group um so Ran and Matt Matt looks like shit he honestly looks like garbage <laughs> and I really honestly was like what the fuck how is he still alive like when they were walking in the group he looked like death um so I was actually surprised that that he was even functional. I'm sad that Tom, I don't think he's dead because he's too much of a fucking boss to just go down without a fight. He might be really injured and it's been a month. So who knows like, like, you know, what could happen and where, where he's been in that amount of time. But also side note, like I forgot how fucking slow shit was back then. Like they had to walk everywhere 
um, most people didn't have carriages and like, you know, they lost their horses, so they can't move fast. So they're walking everywhere and they're walking with a whole ass group of people. And it took them a month to get from wherever they were to the, the white, the white tower. Like shit, that's a lot of walking. No wonder people were skinny back then. Technology and fast paced life has made us very lazy. Um, well, I should say people weren't skinny. Poor people were skinny. The people were fat because they were rich and they didn't have to do anything. <laughs> but it's just it's just crazy the way technology and advancements in, you know, the world and how fast paced things are made life. So life just is faster. Nobody would ever think to travel anywhere for a month. That just seems outright ridiculous. Anyway, um, I remember when we were introduced to Tom and we saw that guy that was strung up and we found out, you know, that he was some type, I can't, I, I'm not even going to try and pronounce the group of people that they are, but they had red hair and it's usually covered up. And I was like, oh, Ginger, oh, like Rand. And I immediately went to his dad all of a sudden being a boss with a sword. And I was like, well, I guess we don't really know anything about these people. Let me stop making assumptions. But then when we met that ogre and he brought up the fact that, you know, Rand has red hair, like it all started to make sense. Like we know, like I, we don't know exactly what's going on. I'm starting to think that this two rivers might be a place where people that have like some type of sordid past may make a new life. Um, because it just seems like there are a bunch of different kinds of people brought into one area. Like, I, I mean, Ran has red hair. His, I don't, I don't think his dad had red hair, but the fact that they made it a point to point out that that guy had red hair and that's a trait that is specifically for this group of people. I was like, that cannot be an accident. I told y'all already how I feel about redheads and the whole this whole episode I was just looking at Rand like that motherfucker is fine like I'm I normally like one of the things that drew me to Nash was his red hair and his curly like I love gingers like, I don't know what it is I have a sick obsession I understand but a redheaded ginger slim white man actually he doesn't even have to be white he could be like brown with red hair and I would be all up in it he would get the panties and I'm not even gonna lie um but I just felt like that like Christina said you know you don't see a lot of redheaded protagonists like it just just doesn't happen and I I remember someone telling me that redheads are like going extinct I don't know how true that is I don't know how rare red hair is nowadays but I know that I love them so that in itself made me love him as a character but now it's like hmm what kind of past did his dad have? Like, we don't know anything about Rand's mom. Like, we were never introduced to her. Maybe there's a reason. So now I'm very curious. And I love that ogre. <laughs> he was like, um, you know, humans are fickly. You guys, your minds are slow and sloppy. <laughs> he was just dragging the shit out of us. And I was cackling because he was not wrong when he was, like, always so quick to run into stuff and not be prepared. I was like, you would praise, preach it. Um, I, I guess when we ran into, like, I wasn't expecting to just see a mythological creature just chilling with a library. Like, 
that's one of the reasons I love this show. It's like you just never know what to expect. I, I love it. I love it. Um, the next group is uh, Egwin, no, Egwene and um, Perrin. Like, I fucking hate that black dude. Like, just his speech. And I don't know if... <laughs> I don't know why it annoys me that he's wearing all white and his teeth are so yellow. <laughs> You're like, that's that shouldn't be my focal point, but it is. He annoys me. I don't know. It's something about his like speech pattern and like his I don't know his sinister behavior. Like, what? Who says it? I can't remember who said that quote about um, you know women being more magnificent than a man. Like that's not allowed. Like that's literally what I thought when we were introduced to him it's like you think that because it's a power that a woman has it just it 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 just can't be good like who the fuck do you think you are you think only men are required like men are the only ones that are allowed to have any kind of power and if a power can only be held by a woman it has to be evil like evil is like anything else or not evil magic is like anything else it's neither good nor bad it's depends on who has it um and you you think that your your behavior is you know godly that's one of the things about religion that annoys the shit out of me it's like you're so quick to say what's good and evil but you're justifying your evil deeds under the guise that it's you know god's will or the light or whatever you want to call it like who 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 made you the judge juror and executor like who gave you that right you just gave it to yourself you think that you you hold that right because of what because of who um and you're keeping mementos like oh that guy deserved every ounce and i wish Perrin would have turned into a damn wolf and ate his ass because that's what he deserved like he died too easy i was set well i guess we don't really know if he's dead but when she stabbed him in the shoulder i was like yes get him but I feel like we got the confirmation that I needed because parents he didn't he didn't transfer form but his eyes glow the same gold as that wolf the one that they came face to face with that cannot be a coincidence and he was growling so I feel like I got my confirmation that he is a werewolf and I realized I was saying vampire in my last podcast because I said vampire diaries but I was talking about the werewolf curse just I know um Shy didn't watch Vampire Diaries but basically they're saying like uh werewolves are a curse and it's put on families and you can only transform to a werewolf every full moon if your curse is triggered and what triggers this curse is if you kill someone it doesn't have to be murder it can be unintentional you could you could have somebody in a car with you and you're driving and they die um because you hit something it could be you know self-defense it could be you know you accidentally gutting your wife thinking she's a trollop it could be anything like that it's it's someone died and you're responsible for it um that triggers your werewolf curse and according to the lore from vampire diaries only um full breed or full i don't know what the word is only like uh certain types of werewolves can trigger like can trigger it the transformation at at will otherwise they can only do it at a full moon anyway i'm thinking parent is a is a werewolf 
and I'm gonna go with that theory that's the only thing I'm pretty certain about at this point um, and uh, Egwene when she <laughs> when she uh, like took the the light and she like hit him with it and it was like a decoy because she was un undoing um, parents uh, restraints I was like yes queen um, I I knew she had it in her I don't know if she knew she could could summon it like that um, because we know she like she was able to start that fire at least we thought she did but I really feel like she just got really pissed off but also I feel like her hearing why Perrin was blaming himself and was like I deserve to die because I killed my wife she was like you did it was an accident and even if you got to spend the rest of your life realizing that you gonna you gonna live and I think that was when she realized like I need to pull this light out of my ass so that I could save this man and I and I knew she would react that way she did look pretty shook when she found out like we all did when he fucking gutted his wife with the axe but she knew it was an accident it's a really shitty accident and it's awful but accident nonetheless it's it's a kind of guilt that you're going to carry for the rest of your life but it was an accident it's not like you did it on purpose um and um the last group that we can talk about are is um Nynaeve and when when the ogre brought her to Ran and uh Matt I screamed I was like yes I knew I liked him <laughs> he was saying all the right stuff but him bringing her to them was awesome and it was a really I was not expecting it um but Lance friend uh I want to call him Steppen because that's what it seemed like everybody was calling him. It was a real emphasis on the P in his name and not a V. So I'm going to go with Steppen. He looked fucking awful. Like his his pain was like you could see it in in everything that he did when he was just sitting on that horse. He looked devastated and I was like, I don't know how they feel about like suicide, but I was like, are they gonna, is he gonna kill himself? Like, is that something they do? Is that something they're allowed to do? Um, I, I just was like, why is anybody on like suicide watch with this man? Because he looked so fucking miserable that I was just so concerned with his health. <laughs> the whole time and it just ugh, it just I like the ending that he the fate that he had that was my concern the whole time I was like I hope he doesn't take his own life because he looks like he cannot deal with anything else and they were like well you could just bond with someone else and the whole time I'm thinking is that something that they normally do like it seems like if you bond with one um I said died like what's how easy it for, is it if that uh, if the connection is so fierce how easy it is for you to just bond with someone else it just seemed like uncertain or not uncertain it seemed unlikely that that would be what he was thinking about and I was like why are they so concerned with him bonding with someone else and not worrying about this man's mental health Nynaeve must have seen what I saw because she looked concerned um at the, the last scene when Lan was screaming like that and they were beating their chest that shit like ripped through me like I was like this is the saddest shit I ever seen with the scene like the way he killed himself he was just kneeled down like slumped over in the pool of blood in front of him it was so terrible I just ugh, it killed me I that shit was 
really, really well acted and it was gut-wrenching. So yeah, um, I think that's all I have. Oh, in the side note, like uh, when parent, not parent, what's his name? When Matt was looking at Logan um, or Logan, however you say it, and he was like laughing, was he like imagining that or was Logan, because it seemed like we saw him laughing and then all of a sudden Matt snapped out of it. He wasn't laughing anymore. Like that man's hallucinating, right? I'm going to need them like if he can channel and we know. OK, so we know Rand is really strong. Like what is the difference like between what is going on with Matt and the rest of them? Because both parent and Rand both have magical abilities like we haven't tapped into everything yet, but we know they have something inside of them. So why is Matt different? Is it because of his mental health? Is it because of the type of a human life he was living? I'm just, I have all these questions. And I'm just really curious to know. I'm going to end it here because I'm talking a lot. And I went over 10 minutes. So until next time, love, peace, hair grease, and black girl magic. Queen of the couch, be me out. When did she not go over 10 minutes? She always be like, I went over two minutes. I'm like, no shit. <laughs> I haven't even called anyone out. Y'all be calling y'all's own selves out. I'm like, I see what I see. <laughs> but no, this is a good show in which one would want to. Um, I know Shy just saltine as hell. Like, how the fuck my phone gonna cut me off at 10 minutes? <laughs> but alas, yes, this is definitely a show to, to want to gush about. Um, I'm glad that you liked the episode. I'm going to work my way backwards from the notes I have down. I'm going to say Matt is cursed versus channeling. This is just my guess. And that's why he's suffering because it doesn't seem as if it's like we've seen men channel with Logane and it's not the same. It feels as if they're not. I feel like the curse is a very. Like it's a doom city. You took something from a doom city. You continue to have it with you. It's causing you mood swings. You, as you pointed out, you look like shit. You look like you're mentally not in control. That like you have some type of sickness. Versus, oh, you're channeling and it's starting to turn you crazy. I think they, they just jumped onto that conclusion and didn't think. And like, I'm really glad they're around females because someone needs to think for the very obvious reasons what's going on with Matt. Um, so yeah, I think that's where the power thing, because we saw that Loghain had people whispering in his ear. I think the reason why they showed the clear juxtaposition is to say, this is what it looks like when someone is channeling that's a man, and this is clearly something different. I don't think that um, Loghain was laughing. I do think that was a hallucination, only because of the cut of how they showed that. And plus, that's, this is what Rand fears the most, right? He thinks that this is something that's going to happen to him. You even had Tom's last words be, don't, don't end up in a cage, right? And he sees this happening. So, yeah, he's, he's mentally just spiraling. And um, hopefully, Nynaeve will figure this out. I think that Loghain, like after they took the power, how what Tom described is it's basically as if they're cut off from their their supply, their drugs. So that's the correlation I'm taking there. So Loghain's kind of just, he's there, but he's not there. And considering 
uh, those people tend to commit suicide as well. I, I thought it was very telling what was going to happen to our poor Stepin. Indeed, this episode, I thought it was very much pronounced. And I thought it was really well done, even for the depressing angle of it, to show a cycle of not only a Aes Sedai, but a warder, and how that affects, what that profound effect does to, to everyone. I do think that both Lon and Nynaeve were on Suicide Watch, particularly and especially Lon. Him saying, you know, I'll stay here with you that night. I think the minute he saw him warding off, I think he, he had a very good idea what was happening to his friend. And I think that they thought bonding would help him heal. Because I think if you're not bonded to anyone in the tower, then your place in the, is just a guess for where I pick up their conversations. There's no place for you at the tower anymore like you have to find a different way to move on but if you're bonded to someone else well at least that's uh you know you have a a physical connection that to hold on to to get you through these very dark and you know at one point you you're connected to someone and now you have nothing and that familiar if that's been going on for decades yeah you're not going to get over that <laughs> Um, but, you know, they're trying to do the best they can, which is he needs something to hold on to. And this is the only thing that can be offered. I'm guessing since it's offered up that people, just depending on how long that bond was and how deep it was, uh, people can and are able to, to move on. And I think people could. Um, she did do it for her friend. I am talking about Egwene. So I think the way in which... Nynaeve healed everyone like she didn't want people to suffer that was her trigger and then for Egwene it was and it kind of ties in to what the warders were saying by the fire that the Aes Sedai they serve the, wor the world you know so she didn't do it to protect herself she couldn't channel for that but to make sure that her friend who's suffering such guilt lives so that he can one day forgive himself that's worth dying for that's worth triggering her power i think a werewolf is a good guess for Perrin. i don't think it's as simple as that but i think that it's definitely in that direction i have a feeling everyone knows their spin on werewolves right um oh yeah men and their their justification man Look, we've been scapegoated if you're talking about religion since Adam had the, the Eve in the in the garden. She had to go get that apple. That's the original sin that all men have been suffering for. You know, a great deal of people on the planet believe that. And for a very long time, up until the 18th century, men and women alike believed that labor pains was a punishment and one that should be endured without any pain medicine because it's it's penance for the original sin so we're going to talk about how the female <laughs> and in uh, the eyes of some men quite a very atrocious history there and then lastly um I did forget about the one guy had red hair that was tied up in the cage too. So yeah, maybe there is something. I'm with you about them gingers though. I got it bad for fucking Irishmen and everyone I've had has had like a massive cock. 
it's like ridiculous and i like whoo whoo don't let me go to ireland man <laughs> i i might as well just you know slap a shirt on and call it a slut because that's what i would be and that is our feedback from Mimi this week. <laughs> Can't wait to hear your thoughts on the next episode. Last is certainly not least, Queen Shy. Hey, Christina, it's me, Shy. I am here to give my feedback for Will of Time, episode five. Um, I'm a bit late, but I see that you haven't done the podcast yet so i'm gonna hope that you get this in time um yeah yesterday was pretty busy for me i didn't even get to watch the episode until um a little bit later and of course i needed a moment to process what i watched sadly i was not in the mood to take notes so i'm going off of memory and trying to see if uh that'll work for me this time around if not Obviously, you'll recap everything that happened. So I'm going to just give my overall thoughts on this episode. I enjoyed this episode. Um, I was knee deep in my feels. I'm not going to lie. Um, this one, I don't know. The Stefan um, is just very interesting that, you know, we <laughs> only met him in the last episode but I still felt the, you know, this show has done a great job of just as, of connecting the characters and having us feel for what they're going through. And they let us know what that relationship be, between a Aes Sedai and a Warder is. And so you, even though we didn't get to watch, is it Kareen? Kareen and Stepan. We didn't watch their relationship grow. We didn't, you know, see too much of their relationship except for one scene. It still impacted, I was still impacted by the loss and just seeing Stepan in this episode just not be able to move on, not be able to recover, just being despondent and, you know, just trying to um, figure out a way to move on. And then when they were talking about, you know, how this has never happened, normally a warder will die before an Aes Sedai. So this is brand new territory for them and how to go about it. What, is, what does that mean? And so I thought that was very interesting too. Um, them all trying to navigate what, what to do next. You know, we had the one, I forget her name, the one that has the two warders trying to bring him on like hey just have another um bond with another Aes Sedai and I love what Stefan said um to Lane well, I'm saying Lane's um to Lon um when he was saying can you do that with Moran well, tell me when when you lose Moran then you tell me how to go about it you know and it's like and that's so true I mean I mean I get they're trying to help and they're just wanting and that that's his best friend apparently um uh from what it's from all that's occurred this episode and last um and so they were very close so i know he was just trying to help and just wanting you know his friend to uh to, to get him out of this deep depression that he was in but 
it's just not it was just not gonna happen I mean so that was and we saw what happened he just he just couldn't live without her and so he didn't want to um and bonding with another I said I just wasn't an option for him I mean Kareen was it for him so and I it was and it's such soulmate feels uh you know to it that is it's just crazy to me um and of course when you know they're talking about how they feel with each other's feels so yeah it's this is some real soulmate stuff so it's just not something you can you can get over and it's only been a month i mean he just could not it, it was just and then of course that all the ceremonial stuff that was going on it, it was just too much for him so that whole all of that everything that went on with Stefan had me so much in my feels i cried i'm not even gonna lie i mean i cried on, on several different occasions um then we have some something moran said that was very interesting and i'm sure it was a seed that's been planted by her saying that i mean it wasn't i know it wasn't said by accident she said that there is a way she read or she heard that there was a way to un to unbind to to do the to to undo the bond, the bonding between the ice die and water, and I find that interesting that she put that out there. Um, not so much, and, and then I, I'm sure she was saying it has to be done prior to obviously the ice die dying. And I just find that interesting with this new connection that uh, Lon has with uh, Nynaeve, if that brought those thoughts to mind because obviously she knows that her and Lon are bonded and in all that stuff but she can she's not dumb I mean she also sees the connection between Lon and Nynaeve and so I'm wondering if this is some foreshadowing of future whatever happened in the future these are the times when I wish I had read the books but I don't have time to do anything lately let alone read a book um little let alone 14 because I, I read that there were 14 books that this show is um adapting from 14 books um so nope um yes and Perrin and and um Egwin, man that oh gosh I I can't stand that dude Valda child Valda he gets on my nerves oh my gosh he is so creepy and just sick um and so him getting kept capturing Perrin and Egwene and just being determined to um, to reveal Egwene. I mean, in the arrogance of it. And it's just funny because he didn't even give Perrin a thought. He just thought of Perrin as a water, not knowing, not understanding that he had this power and he's one of the potentials. Um, so, and I also wondering if, 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 if a male, if it drives the males crazy or mad, um, this power, this, why do they not just kill the, the men already? So why wait and see, they just kill them and be done with it. If there's no positive side, there's no way that they can't go mad. So that's what I'm saying. There has to be a way that they can wield the power males and not go crazy um, so I'm wondering because it doesn't make sense for them to keep them alive if that's not a possibility and just hope that the Eggwing and um, Nynaeve are the ones um, because you would want them to be the ones. And if the other three are, why would you want their powers to manifest before you find out? I don't know. So I, I'm, I'm curious about that. Maybe you can explain that further, that rationale. 
Um, but I enjoy their scenes. I, I, yeah, I, I think you said it, Christina, but I do love the pairing of Perrin and Eglin. It's just so, there's it's so much there. It's so rich. And I love what them traveling with the, um, the, I forget the name they gave them, but you know, that, that whole stuff, that whole scene. I know it was a slower pace, but I just loved it because I felt that it was important for parents' development. Um, and we finally get to see him confessing of what happened to Layla and all that stuff. And then we see the true, we already suspected, but him and the wolves are connected in that way. So we finally get to see that come to fruition. Um, then we got Matt and Rand and Matt is just going down this dark, dark path. And I'm like, can Rand not see that there's something not right with Matt? And so I'm guessing he's thinking that he's channeling, but I'm thinking it's more to do with that, the dark stuff that he got from that knife that that's more, maybe that's helping it manifest more and is making it go more in a madness route than it would have. So that'd be interesting to find out. Um, I like the the org guy. He had me cracking up in this episode. This one of the few times I smiled um, in this one because it was really heavy um, with everything that was going on with Stepin. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm very. I want to see more of that character. He was just such a, a joy to listen to. He has such a, a a great way of looking at things, at looking at life, very very direct and uh, to the point. That end scene, uh, I, like I said, it deep in my feels. You know, um, Lon is was one of my dudes. Him and Perrin, that's they're in my the top. So anything with them, I'm just loving. And then they both had emotional scenes in this one, um, and that ending scene in particular. Oh man, that was so deep. That that cut me deep. And then you can see Moran and Nani feeling. You know, obviously it was emotional anyway, but I just feel like it was more to it. It was more, um, with you know, a bonding obviously with Moran, but there's there's a starting of one I feel with Lan with Lon. But anyway, I'm at my ten minutes. That's all I got. I'm sure there's more I wanted to say, but I only get ten minutes to say it. So on that note, until next time, much love, peace, and black girl magic. Queen of the couch, shy. Did you hear the saltiness in her voice? Did you Did you hear it? So I only get 10 minutes. <laughs> These motherfuckers ungrateful ass. I give them 10 minutes. Everybody else is like three minutes. That's all you get. <laughs> they know I'm just fucking with them. Um Yes, I'm gonna do the same thing I did with Beanie's notes. I'm gonna go backwards. Yes, Lyle. Hopefully I'm saying his name right. He was very much a breath of humor in this episode. And that is the, that is the or, orgy. Uh, yeah. I just love his way of summing up humans. Like I came in here. Y'all chasing me out with a pitchfork. Like what the fuck? I didn't come all this way. I come from a place of fucking honor. Motherfuckers. I'm the son of somebody important. <laughs> Smarter than any, uh, many of your ass. Y'all can't even pronunciate. I got books. It's like, why y'all fantasizing about being people that you can't be? That's so silly. <laughs> uh, I think after current events, Egwene might be a possible red. That just came to me as I was listening to you talk about what went down. She seems to be pretty right emotionally to be recruited by Ladrain. 
and she has a sense of protection as well now you mentioned this thing about why they um just don't kill the men if they're to, to go mad is what my understanding is of what you were asking there i think that's what gentling is i mean it's not killing them even though from what we hear from the one source that we had which is tom it's pretty much a fate worse than death but i think that because the power or one that can channel it if a man can it is going to cause them to go mad it's more like a symptom right and thus they shouldn't be punished or killed outright for it um however yeah so i think it's seen as a, a curse on them and then they the isodai take remove that from them so that they could possibly have a normal life i think flat out killing them it's kind of what karen a brought up in the last episode you know we came up with these rules not to be expedient and just kill them or even just remove the power from them they do have the right of a trial they have the right to be heard to be seen you know we're not just going to go around and be barbaric because they do are are trying to stand for something that is of upstanding morals which is why they can't heal themselves they live by a certain code so i i don't think they want to punish men even though there clearly are some that do but it didn't start off with that idea of punishing them for channeling as much as relieving them of what happens when they do uh so I, i don't know how many men go out seeking this as well doesn't seem to be the case and thus yeah that's that's where the gentling comes from also we know and we've actually witnessed through Logan, which i think is the purpose of his character is that despite what we're being told that the madness will you know make them quote unquote evil um that's not what had occurred like the madness we saw clearly was telling him to kill this man before him and he's like no i'm having the willpower and i think that's what they were feeling from him that willpower to override the the darker aspect the tainted aspect of what happens when men use the power again i am just shit spitballing here because i i have not read shit on this <laughs> but that's my guess and thus kind of what alana was talking about when she was talking to moraine which is what if the prophecy is askew what if the dragon is supposed to be standing with us against the dark one and maybe just maybe there is room for <clears throat> a middling ground uh there's room for the acceptance of but you can see how that would cause quite a upheaval and that's why i believe the dragon has to be a man and why it's ran and not naive because that upheaval doesn't happen if you don't <clears throat> excuse me have the situation in which it does indeed um have to get people to question and i think that the amelin seed is going to be not so down with this idea 
Because then if that means that one thing that they have that is powerful over men, they no longer have that. It has to be shared and then it's just a matter of time before men do what they do and dominate. So I, I don't think they'll be so keen to... And I think Lorraine is, as I suspected, she's not tied to these connections the way you know the other sisters are in this political realm i think that she's she has more of an open mind to the idea of and i think eventually hopefully her and alana even though every time i look at alana i'm like she feel like she's sussing out info i think Lorraine knows to keep her counsel to herself because she may like i feel like alana was testing like is that something you believe Maybe she's trying to protect the, the Dragon Reborn more so than letting the Aes Sedai in the White Tower utilize for their own personal gain. Maybe she realized just the way the five are going to realize that, hey, we got to rely on each other because the, the powers, each of them that are vying for what we got, they all are corrupt on some level. So if we are going to overcome the dark one then we have to you know we have to set the stage for the new for the new world order that's gonna have to arise this is all me just continuing to spitball <laughs> uh the white cloaks don't seem to believe in the dragon at least that's what i got i could be wrong about that so it didn't surprise me that he thought that this was a warder in her Aes Sedai because that's all he could see. Oh, pretty young woman, big, sturdy male. He's he's uh, totally... But it also explains kind of like the myth. Like, oh, men go insane when they use powers. Thus, a man having a power is not something they expect to see. Um... What else? Uh... Oh, I put a holy shirt. <laughs> Good place reference. Uh, 14 books, she said. Nope. I did not blame you one bit. I ain't got no time for that. I still have to read Leviathan Falls. I've been avoiding it though, because then it'll be over and I can't. The Lon and Moraine bond and the Nynaeve and Lon bond don't need to be mutually exclusive. I think that they are going to pretty much have their own unique bond with each other uh, together and separate and lastly very sad what was happening with a uh, step in this episode definitely I think that doing the last thing that he did connected to her being able to put her ring in the fire after that that broke him he didn't have anything left to give after that and I think Lon certainly knew it and it broke him to know that, you know, this is his fate. This could be his fate. Um, and how much he would rather avoid that fate. That's the fucked up part. He would rather die than be here. So that is uh, the conclusion of our episode. If you want to send feedback on the next one, blackrocotch at gmail.com. You can leave a comment below on this podcast. My social media will be there as well. Remember to like, share, subscribe. Until next time, peace, hair grease, and blacker magic.